One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. Screen time. It's my screen time too. Hello and welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming. From Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar Pixar blockbusters, we watch, you listen. Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone, voluntarily. I'm Katie. And I'm Deborah. And I have two kids, Jay, he's four, and Kenny, he's 18 months. And I have three kids, Tony is 10, and Libby and Nate are seven. They are so adorable, right? Generally, yes. So we like to tell a quick story about our kids, either how awesome they are or sometimes awful they are, because of course we're witty and incisive pop culture consumers, but we are also moms too. So let's get the momming out of the way. <laughs> I took Libby to get her ears pierced this week. Oh my goodness, rite of passage. Yes, significant milestone for being a girl child in America. And I took her to a tattoo place instead of like a jewelry store wow I didn't even know that was an option yeah the Facebook moms say that's what you have to do because it's safer like cleaner yes and they're like professionals who are trained instead of being like a teenager with a staple gun yeah (laughs) and they were so great and she was like so brave I could tell that it really hurt but she like held it all in and just toughed it out and I just thought oh you're gonna be a good woman someday because <laughs> that's what we, we have to do how about your kids well my story is not quite as monumental when Jay was little like a baby my mother got mm-hmm. him this little rocking chair from home goods And for a while there, Kenny and Jay were just really fighting over it. Like one of them would sit down and the other of them would come and try to physically shove the other one off the chair. Mm -hmm. So I went to HomeGoods and I got another one thinking that would solve the problem because now we have two chairs and fewer visitors. So theoretically, they can both sit in a chair pretty much whenever they want. They still try and push each other out of one chair. Oh my gosh, why do kids do that? We encountered that so much with twins. Oh, I bet. Yeah, and you think you just get two, but they still fight over the same one. So should we move on to our screen time in the news segment? Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited. We read an article published on December 8th that was found on BBC.com, but Katie, you noted that it was originally published in Mosaic that has a lot of great long-form journalism on it. And the title of the article is What's So Fascinating About Weird Children's TV Shows by Linda Geddes. And it is a long article about 
why kids like to watch weird stuff, but it goes into the psychology and even sort of neuroscience about it and what really young children need in order to learn things from the TV and like how the Teletubbies were a phenomenal example of excellence in children's programming because they really engaged the youngest viewers and kind of cap. <laughs> I know. I I I've never really seen Teletubbies, but I know what they are. And they just had a bad rap from when they were around in the beginning, right? Yeah, I mean, you can't see my face because we're not video chatting this time around, but I just have such a sad face on right now. Like, really? Teletubbies? That's that's the good stuff? Oh, that makes me so sad. I know it is really interesting to read about how these like developmental psychologists study children's TV. I think Um, there is a study cited in this article that kids who watched Sesame Street were more likely to be academically on track and less likely to be held back in school than those who didn't. And it was actually just because of like the signals of television people got in their homes. So it's not like it was privileged kids versus disadvantaged kids. Right. It was a pretty good sample of children. And so Sesame Street was good. SpongeBob SquarePants is not so good for young children to learn from. <laughs> helping kids to learn. Um, and they talked about, and this is something we don't look at at all when we're watching, because we're just looking like, do we want to watch this with our kids? Right. How like zooming in on the subject and making the rest of the background move around with the subject really helps kids understand that that's like the main character or the point of what's on the screen at that time. What did you think of the article? It was fascinating, but as someone who still has someone in this like very early developmental period, this like age one to two, it was Mm -hmm. really disappointing because when Kenny gets screen time, he's not watching Teletubbies or Moon and Me or Caillou, you know, Mm -hmm. he's watching something that is, I guess, for the older preschool set, something that I've determined is not too horrible to sit through. And Mm -hmm. apparently that means I'm melting his brain. Are you watching it with him? Yes. And that, as with every article, remains the essential conclusion is that watching it with your kids and engaging with them about it is the key. Yeah. Which we've read over and over and over again. Yes. One more thing that I thought was interesting is it kind of grouped kids by like these very, very young viewers and then a little bit older, like preschool viewers. Um, But one of the researchers that this author interviewed said that even like eight kids who are eight to 12 can't really watch a show the way that an adult can. And it's not until around 12 that they actually have like a comprehension of what they're watching, like the way that we do. I thought that was fascinating too. I also thought just jumping a little bit back in the age ranges, she wrote that children from ages two to five can't really follow moral lessons, which is funny because that is so the focus of so much preschool television. Right. That instead of understanding that the bully's bad behavior is bad they might just try and copy the bully right gosh what are we doing (laughs) so i think i think it's good for teaching like concepts like counting or like animal identification but not like more complex life lessons right right and like plots like where's the treasure buried and stuff like that Mm -hmm. yeah we'll link to this article on our facebook page it is 
long, but it's worth the read if you're interested in this kind of stuff. Like we definitely are. I still hate Teletubbies, but I guess I have a new respect for the science behind it. Oh, I'm cringing even saying that, but it's true. It fascinating article. You guys should check it out. <laughs> so moving on, do we have any follow-up from the last episode? Deborah, do you have anything to share? So HBO has a couple of new shows. The like With the new year, a couple mm-hmm. of new shows have started. Have you watched either The Outsider or The New Pope? No. Kevin, my husband, I don't have to call him that anymore. I can just call him Kevin, right? Kevin really enjoyed the previous season, The Young Pope. Yes. Yeah. And the new Pope is, I guess, the second season of this. So he's excited about it. But I it was mostly just a timing thing. Like I didn't have the time to devote to one more show. And as far as The Outsider is concerned, we tried to watch. Oh, gosh. What is that show even called? Castle Rock. Right. Mm -hmm. And I did not really care for it. So I'm not chomping at the bit for another Stephen King thing. Yeah. Stephen King is generally too scary for me, but I really like Jason Bateman. Mm. So... I might stick with the outsider. The pilot was really good. And I didn't finish the young Pope. Uh And I just jumped right into the new Pope because it has John Malkovich. Love him. Yeah. And I'm enjoying it so far. So I don't think you necessarily have to finish the young Pope to watch the new Pope. All right. Well, if I magically come up with a few hours of time, we're still trying to make our way through His Dark Materials, which I guess technically is a children's show. Mm -hmm. And I am loving that a lot, but we're still like two episodes out from the end of even that. Yeah, it's hard to carve out that adult screen time. I have some exciting follow-up from a previous episode. What's that? Okay, so we moved into our new house, and theoretically I have this special room in which to record the podcast. I'm very excited. Nice. It's like my she shed (laughs) (laughs) it's not far from the baby's room and now that we're recording at night I've been told that I talk really loudly when I'm podcasting but I can't hear it because I'm on headphones Mm-hmm. So I was looking for a solution to like at least semi soundproof the room and I actually bought some soundproofing foam and I'm thinking about covering it in decorative fabric and hanging it on the walls just like they did in Get Out of My Room which we covered two episodes ago. Oh that's a good idea. So thank you JBJ. Are you going to bedazzle your microphone too? Oh it's already bedazzled. Okay. <laughs> this is going to blow your mind you guys. Because last week we covered The Bravest Night, a preschool show. And this week, guess what? We're covering another preschool show. We are covering Netflix's Puffin Rock. There are two seasons available on Netflix. And the episodes are really short, but they're packaged into blocks of three. So you get like 20 minutes of content and each episode is like seven minutes long-ish. And it tells the story of a puffin. Her name is Una and her baby brother Baba and they live on Puffin Rock with their mother and father and they learn charming life lessons with their friends. And I was fascinated to read that Puffin Rock is indeed based on a real place. A place called Puffin Island which is off the southwest coast of Ireland. So it should come. Yeah, isn't it? So it should come as no surprise that this is produced by an Irish production company called Cartoon Saloon. I don't know if you guys saw, gosh, it may have even been 10 years ago now. There was this movie that won, I think, Best Animated Feature at the Oscars called The Secret of the Kells. 
It was really beautiful, mm-hmm. and it was done Never by that it. same production company. Uh, I guess the other standout of this show is that it is narrated by Chris O'Dowd, which anyone who has seen Bridesmaids knows and loves. Mm-hmm. Why did we pick it? Well, I am continuing my fangirling of Catherine Van Arendonk, who wrote the article we discussed last week in our Screen Time in the News segment. She mentioned Puffin Rock in passing as a good children's show, so we thought we would check it out. Right, and she's a professional critic, so she knows TV. We watched season one, episode one, and the three episodes, the three segments in the episode were titled Puffin Practice, Mystery Egg, and To See the Moon. We then watched episode six, which was Stormy Weather, Baba's Adventure, and Rock Music. And then we jumped to season two, episode 10, and watched Lamb Chase, Mossy Impossible, and A Special Seashell. We'll start by going through the episodes one by one and then move on to our more general thoughts. Deborah, do you want to just kind of summarize all three as a block? I will try. So season one, episode one, in Puffin Practice, we meet Una and her baby brother Baba and their parents. And the whole episode is Una and Baba watching their parents and then they try to imitate them. And act like adult puffins. And then in the second segment, Una finds what she thinks is a seagull egg outside of its nest. And so she's concerned about getting the egg back to its nest and its parents. And the egg hatches and it turns out to be a guillemot, which is a creature I have never even heard of before. When she finds the parents, the chick goes to the mom and dad guillemot and we also meet una's friend who is a pygmy shrew who is the token like always hungry character (laughs) of the show like there's in a preschool show it seems like there's always a character who's just like constantly eating that's a good point um and then in supermoon una notifies all of her friends on the island that the supermoon is going to be out that night and it's going to light up the island and make everything beautiful and so she talks everyone into staying up super late and meeting to see the rise of the supermoon and then she falls asleep on the beach so her parents are looking for her and this cute little rabbit and a baby seal um help find her and we learn the difference between a nocturnal bird, like an owl, and a diurnal bird, like a puffin. What did you think? Oh my gosh. If it didn't sound so weird to just sigh on a podcast, I would just <laughs> release a relaxed sigh. Because this show was just so instantly peaceful. Mm-hmm. I thought Puffin Practice was a beautiful introduction to the characters. They have a narrator that kind of narrates the plot, but then also sneaks in little facts about the nature on Puffin Rock. And I thought that was done really well and really gently. It didn't feel like it was hitting me across the head with any lessons. It was mm-hmm. just, yeah, peace- so peaceful and relaxing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I thought the characters were really likable. Baba is so adorable. So cute. I want a baby puffin. (laughs) Yeah, it was really gentle. It was just like kind of the perfect preschool show. Yeah, I think, I mean, we use gentle a lot in our episode about the bravest night, but this even more so. Gentle with capital letters. Mm -hmm. Just like float away on a peaceful rainbow of puffin rock. Do you have any other thoughts specific to this episode? No, I'm ready to move on. All right. Moving on to episode six. 
Uh, it started with stormy weather in which a storm came to Puffin Rock. And before the storm, Una and Baba are playing with a ball of fluff and they lose it over the seagull's cliff. So they climb down the cliff to try and get the ball of fluff. But then the storm comes in and it's too windy to fly up and they're afraid that they'll be stuck down there. Their papa's coming home from catching fish and happens to rescue them from the cliff. So everything is okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the second segment, Baba's adventure, Una and Baba are playing, but Una leaves Baba alone to go play with a whale and <laughs> Baba gets hungry. And since he can't get Una's attention, he tries to walk home all by himself. He gets help from a bunch of different creatures on Puffin Rock, like a crab, from the pygmy shrew, from a bunny rabbit. And then Una finally finds him, and obviously she feels bad for leaving him alone and realizes that wasn't a good idea. In rock music, Una is trying to sleep, but she can't because she's nervous about joining the dawn chorus in the morning, which is the time when all the animals on Puffin Rock greet the dawn with a chorus of chirps and croaks and other sounds what have you so Una's mom takes her for like this really lovely mother-daughter date to learn about all the ways the island makes its own music and how every creature sings differently and in the end she's happy to lend her voice to the dawn chorus Deborah, what did you think about this set of episodes well, starting with the rock music one, when we first decided to review the show titled Puffin Rock, I thought it was going to be like Puffins in a band, mm-hmm. like a school of rock yeah, show about same. with Puffin musicians. Yep. <laughs> That's not what it is. No. Rock means like <laughs> what the island is made out of. <laughs> I don't know. This was the second time that we've seen Una left in charge of Baba and she is a terrible babysitter. Una is also very young. It's not as if Una is a teenage puffin. No, she's like a preschool age puffin and she's put in charge of her like basically toddler age brother. Based on the sound of Baba's laugh which is pretty much identical to Kenny's, I would place Baba at 18 months. Yeah, yeah. Baba is pretty much pre-verbal. And I get it. The parents have to work hard. They have to go out and find food for their family. And childcare is hard to come by on Puffin Rock. But they (laughs) need to have a better plan during the day than putting Una in charge of Baba. Yeah, we've talked a lot about how much autonomy kids have in kids' shows, but man, this stretches it to the limit. It stressed me out, especially when Baba like wandered into like a like a cave and he encountered a crab who <laughs> was luckily a nice crab. <laughs> Yeah, he could have just taken Baba. Yeah. And then when Una finds him at the end, she's like, oh, sorry. And they don't tell their parents at all anything that happened. (laughs) I know. This is a cute thing. At the end of stormy weather, Baba like puffs himself up and he turns himself into a ball of fluff that the family then plays with. Like they played with the wool ball that they lost when the storm happened. So I loved the mother-daughter date in rock music. It was like Mm -hmm. just, you know, when you have those perfect solo moments with only one of your kids and you're like, Mm -hmm. this is us building a lasting memory of our time together and you can just feel it as it's happening. Mm -hmm. That was one of those moments. Yeah, totally. On a totally different note. 
Did you happen to watch the comedy special on Netflix, John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch? No. Well, I will tell you that there is a deeply weird final segment at the end that you can just fast forward to featuring Jake Gyllenhaal trying to teach the kids that music is everywhere. And it is just so deeply bizarre. But I couldn't watch this episode in which Mama Puffin explains that music is everywhere without thinking of that. And I think you will understand why if you watch it. Oh, that's funny. Jake Gyllenhaal playing a character or Jake Gyllenhaal as himself? Jake Gyllenhaal playing Jake Gyllenhaal playing a character. Okay. (laughs) I'll have to check it out. Please do. So are we ready to move on to season two? Yes, let's. Okay. Episode 10. I'm supposed to summarize this. And I watched Lamb Chase in which Una and Baba find a lamb who's without its mom. And they play with the lamb and then they kind of trek across the island because they know where the sheep hang out and they're going to reunite the lamb with its mom. And then the lamb like runs back to where Una and Baba first encountered the lamb. And it turns out the mom sheep has just been grazing in the grass near Una and Baba's home the whole time. And the lamb finds its mom and everybody's happy. Yeah. So very similar to the egg episode. And then... I swear I watch Massey Impossible and A Special Seashell, but it just lulled me into, like, (laughs) a preschool stupor. Like, you know, when kids sit and watch the show with their mouths hanging open, (laughs) and it's like their brains have gone blank. That is what happened to me, and I, I, like, couldn't tell you what happened in those episodes. But it wasn't unpleasant, was it? No, I felt this is like, um, I mean, watching this was sort of had the same effect as I imagine meditating might have. Yes, maybe this could take the place of mindfulness practice in my life because I'm really bad at that. Yeah, so I'm sure in like, I know at the beginning of Mossy Impossible, Una got caught up in like sea debris, which they never called plastic, which I thought was kind of a weird omission. But I'm sure that she got out of the sea debris and they talked about how you shouldn't litter. Special seashell. Una was trying to like bring back a special seashell for Baba. And she found a bunch of nice shells. And she was saying, oh, that's a such and such shell. And that's a such and such shell. And I was so happy that I was able to identify the mussel shell before she said it. I was like, yes. Good for you. Because I'm terrible at nature, guys. I don't know. (laughs) An oak tree from a weeping willow. I am really bad at that stuff. Should we go on to our overall thoughts? Yes, since I have no detailed thoughts about episode 10 from season two. But I think that in itself makes a really good point. (laughs) (laughs) Did we like the concept? I'm going to repeat a question from our previous episode. And that is that preschool shows are sometimes a really hard sell for grownups. Did you think there was enough in Puffin Rock to entertain you? I was really entertained by Baba. He was definitely my favorite character. I think the, the show is slow moving because it's for preschoolers and there's not a lot of real conflict. So it was fine, but I did really enjoy it on an aesthetic level. Mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah. What did you think of the concept? I think entertaining is a poor word choice, but I definitely found it enjoyable. Mm-hmm. 
and I don't know if you want to wait to get into this when we talk more about the voice cast, but in the moments that I wasn't totally lulled into a gentle daze and I was really listening to Chris O'Dowd's narration, like that was where I was able to come up with some subtleties that kind of made me smile as a grown up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, I mean, while we're on the voices, like the accents are so delightful. I know. I feel like such a cliched American, but Irish accents, so sweet. Yeah. And like children's Irish accents yeah. are really, really fun to listen to. Yeah. Just irresistible. Mm-hmm. Did you have any thoughts about the seven minute episode as opposed to the full half hour? I thought this was perfect. Like there were just little vignettes that gave you enough of a story and I guess a little bit of a lesson. I thought they were, I thought they were perfect. It was hard to watch this and not think about it. I don't know if you read the article before or after you watched Puffin Rock. I read it after. Okay. I read it before. So it was hard to not watch this through the through the lens of that research and be like, well, of course they need seven minute episodes. Like a preschool's not, preschooler's not going to absorb a more complicated plot than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other thing I really liked about the concept, and I did introduce this at the top, was how they kind of melded the gentle life lessons, you know, Una, maybe you shouldn't abandon your baby brother, Mm -hmm. with the more specific lessons about puffin behavior, about nature, about the oceans, things like that. I thought it was a really nice combination, and it could have been so, so awkward. It seemed effortless, but I'm sure so much effort went into it to make it seem so light and pleasant. (laughs) So I already know that you're a huge Baba fan. Did you have any other thoughts about the other characters? I thought that Una was good. She didn't capture my heart the way Baba did. And I really liked the other animal friends, like the baby seal was so cute. And the little rabbit or hare friend was really cute. I just thought, I mean, every animal was animated or drawn to be like peak adorable. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Even the crab was cute. And the parents were really nice and gentle and seemed like doting parents, except when they left Una in charge of Baba. <laughs> The one exception to that was the seagulls. There's some serious oh, anti-seagull sentiment in this show. Right. Yeah, I did not know that seagulls and puffins didn't get along. Yeah, they're not even pretending to give any lessons about seagulls or giving seagulls any sort of equitable treatment. They're clearly anti-seagull. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, in one of the episodes, the one where they lost their fluff ball down the cliff uh-huh. uh, they run into a baby seagull in the nest and it just looks like you know your relative that gets too drunk at thanksgiving <laughs> that's that's all i could think about like it just looked bedraggled and confused yeah. <laughs> do baby seagulls really look like that i don't think i've ever seen a baby seagull <laughs> so i have no idea i i like to think that like they're prevailing dislike of seagulls just colored how they decided to design the baby seagull (laughs) oh probably yeah we know that baby everything's are cute but this seagull is going to be really weird looking (laughs) (laughs) so what were your thoughts on the voice cast we know we loved the irish accents tell me what you thought about chris o'dowd i kind of want chris o'dowd to narrate everything he's so good I mean, it's the accent, but also just like the timber of his voice. 
is really soothing to listen to. Like I, I would listen to an audiobook. I would listen to a podcast. I would listen to a wildlife documentary narrated by him. I could listen to Chris O'Dowd all day. The great thing I thought was that he did it completely straight and Mm -hmm. it worked fine on that level. But having seen Chris O'Dowd in so many grown-up roles, you could then sort of uh, intuit some sarcasm, some bizarre inflections. Like you could really read into his narration if you wanted to. Yes, definitely. But for the child listening, he seems just like a really great narrator oh yes yep comes off as very sincere and there are moments when it kind of seems like una can hear him narrating and respond Mm -hmm. directly but he is definitely like the viewer watching the tv and being like don't go up the stairs don't go don't don't go up the stairs go out the front door Mm -hmm. and i didn't recognize any of the other cast i didn't either i think they had actual children voicing the children Mm -hmm. at least it sounded that way to me yeah did you have any thoughts on the animation style i loved it i think i really i think i responded to the colors Mm -hmm. because sometimes kids shows are really bold colors primary colors and these are very muted Uh uh-huh if you've read this is not my hat by john clausen no i have the animation the animation reminded me of the artwork from that book. Mm-hmm. Like very pretty, like sea life and like, not like a bold pink, but like a light peach. I liked it a lot. What did you think? I found the backgrounds to be really almost painterly and mm-hmm. pretty to look at on their own. And the characters were almost almost animated in a different style, but they were very distinct from what was behind them in a way that we now know served to emphasize to preschoolers that these are the people you should be watching. (laughs) Right. Did you have any thoughts on the music? I always have to ask you this one. I liked it. It was like it set the mood for the show and it was just like very subtle. Like I don't know if it was xylophone or marimba most of the time when the characters were having like action moments. I liked it. I thought that the theme song was fine. Nothing super notable about it, but I did like the background music. Were you able to compare this to any adult TV shows or movies? Remember Party of Five? Oh yes, I do. Freeform just rebooted it. I know. I really want to watch that because I loved Party Mm -hmm. of Five. And I guess it was more of a show for teens but this reminded me of that because una and baba are alone so much (laughs) and they're just kind of flailing just like the kids was it charlie it was he charlie was the older brother yeah yeah (laughs) he's doing his best but he is not equipped really to deal with the situation was una really even doing her best i feel like she was the bailey like she was just kind of do-de-do-de-do around yeah well and the parents never gave her any like guidelines right. if I so Tony is 10 and so I'll leave him alone at our house for like mm, 10 or 20 minutes while I go like pick another kid up or something and every time I leave the house I'm like don't open the door don't go anywhere don't let a stranger in you know like don't use the stove like I just go through all the rules Every single time, Uh because that's your job as a parent, is to be, like, redundant as hell, (laughs) (laughs) because kids take a long time to learn things. And they never were like, don't go swim in the ocean with the whale and leave Baba (laughs) on the beach without you. (laughs) Anyway 
clearly I was bothered by that part <laughs> of the show. What adult movie or show did you were you able to compare Puff and Rock to? Well, it was hard to think of a grown up show that's just about an adorable family who loves one another. Right. <laughs> so I was just trying to think of shows that are just about everyday life for the most part. So I thought, what about what about like Alaska Bush people or something? Oh, yeah. Or like maybe one of those reality shows where they have like a bazillion kids and literally the whole episode is like, well, today they're getting a bath and it just takes the whole <laughs> half an hour to like bathe all 20 children or whatever. So more like a so more like a reality show. Yeah, that's what I immediately gravitated towards because like scripted shows have actual plots and things happen. Were you able to cast the gritty HBO reboot? When I did this, I was thinking about the evil seagulls. <laughs> and so I was thinking, it's been a while since we cast John Cho. Into oh, you're something. right. Sorry, John. So, yeah, I would love to see John Cho playing like an Una and have like a younger person that he was the caretaker of. And they get like cast away on an island like Puffin Rock and they have to contend with like seagulls who try to thwart their like hunter-gatherer methods of surviving on the island so you're still very anti-seagull or then are we going to get the follow-up that is like the anti-hero story about the seagulls background and why they are how they are i bet seagulls are not what's the word like indigenous to puffin rock like where are seagulls from i don't know the answer to that they're everywhere. everywhere there's a coast yeah. Anyway, <laughs> who did you cast in the Gritty HBO reboot? Okay, so I was really focused on, sort of like you, this idea of this couple being kind of marooned on a desolate island. Maybe they're like playing puffins who have been ostracized for their larger community for their views on interspecies cooperation, even though they still <laughs> hate seagulls. I am not clear on how you pronounce his first name, and I feel kind of bad, but I thought Killian Murphy from Peaky Blinders. Okay. He is good at looking wan and kind of desperate, <laughs> so mm -hmm. I think that'd be good for the circumstance. Do you think it was better when we were kids? No. <laughs> I think it's amazing. I think it's incredible that kids now can watch shows from an Irish production company whenever they want at any time of day. It is a great thing that Netflix has done is bring more international content to light for American viewers. Yeah. Like I have a friend, her name is Fiona and she, her parents are Scottish. And so she grew up partly in Scotland. And so she, I don't know, long, long time ago, we were talking about like cartoons that we watched when we were kids. And she had a totally different set of cartoons that she watched when she was a kid because she watched everything on, I don't know, BBC maybe uh -huh. and she didn't watch American cartoons when she was a kid because she was living in Scotland and we didn't watch cartoons that were showing in Scotland because we were in America and I think it's just an incredible time to be alive <laughs> yes definitely when it comes to content it is I also feel like the cartoons of our youth were so bright and jangly and overstimulating yeah, this is definitely something you want to watch, have your preschooler watch, like, before nap time. Yeah, nice and relaxing. Yeah, like, after lunch, So watch Baba. Yeah. <laughs> Baba almost died because his sister <laughs> left him alone. 
But it's presented so soothingly. CJ, that's what you should never do to Kenny. <laughs> he right? might get eaten by a seagull. <laughs> so would you ever watch this alone voluntarily? My f- gut reaction is no, because it wasn't nearly as captivating as some of those new shows on HBO are. But if I need to just chill out... Mm-hmm. And have my mind go somewhere where I don't have to think about anything. I might. I feel like watching this, I had the same effect as like a um, like a restorative yoga class does. Mm-hmm. Like you just feel like all jelloey and relaxed after watching this. So I might give it a try. Or like you know when you get a massage. If you didn't just fall asleep in the chair, but if they did, like, in the dentist's office where they sometimes put the TV screen above you, but instead they put it, like, below the, the pillow where your face is on, yeah. you could just see, like, the soothing landscapes of Puffin Rock. And Chris O'Dowd's lighthearted banter. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> so, 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids. I think it's pretty good for our kids. Yeah, I... We learned that preschoolers aren't going to be learning any moral lessons from this show, so I think it's fine. Yeah, I found it so much more tolerable for me than a lot of the preschool stuff we've watched, so that would go a long way towards encouraging me to watch it with my kids. Ratings? I would give it, I think, a five. Same. A strong five. Like, I don't even question it. It was really great. Yeah. Thank you, Catherine Van Arendonk. Yeah, if you want to be on our podcast ever, let us yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time Too. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can check out our website at myscreentime2.com. You can find us on Facebook to continue the conversation. We're at facebook.com slash myscreentime2. And you can often find out what we're watching for our next episode if you want to watch ahead of time. Tweet us with show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments at at myscreentime2. You can email us at myscreentime2 at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by me and my adorable children, and our podcast is produced by Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye. Bye.